Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and we'll just begin reading at verse 1 and right on through verse 4. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, now notice verse 4, who will have all men to be saved. But it doesn't stop there. And. I like that word and. Saved and. You notice that? Saved and. It reminds me of when Paul and Silas were in prison. The Bible says they prayed and. Did you notice that? They prayed and. They prayed and sang praises. They didn't just pray, did they? They prayed and. Well, God doesn't just want us to be saved, although we thank Him for that's the greatest of all miracles. But notice the word and, saved and. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. You know, beloved, uh, God has given us the fivefold ministry for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man. He is concerned about our spiritual growth and development. He is concerned and interested in us coming into or unto the knowledge of the truth so that we can be perfected in Christ. That's what spiritual perfection is. Having our minds renewed to what God's Word says so that we can be spiritually minded and not carnally minded or minding the things of the flesh. And I really believe and with all my heart that the Father is concerned about this. And, and He wants us to be emphasized in our own individual lives that He wants us saved, yes, but then we become students of the Word. And He wants us to come in unto the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because it's the truth, Jesus said, that sets us free. Prayer may, prayer may set you free for a moment. But, beloved, to stay permanently free in every area of life, we must know the truth. Why? Jesus said, If you continue in my word, you're my disciple indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, that's what He's saying here. He wants us saved. Everybody saved? Praise God. Secondly, and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Shall we pray, Father? Thank you for your word. It's good. We can trust our lives to its provisions because it's sure, it's steadfast, it's eternal, it's operative, active, energizing, sharper than any two-edged sword. And Father God, we thank you that the anointing upon your word is also upon our ears to hear it accurately, upon our hearts to receive it and our minds to be open unto it. Father, I thank you for utterance of the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth and demonstration of the Spirit of power. And I thank you, dear Father God, that our faith, because of it, will stand not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And we'll give you all the honor, the praise, and the glory for all that's wrought by midst and said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's look at some other scriptures here before we go any further. John's Gospel, chapter 8, that I just quoted to you. John, chapter 8, Romans, chapter 8, and Galatians, chapter 5. 
John chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, and Galatians chapter 5. And I know that you can do it. <laughs> I know that you can do it. John chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, Galatians chapter 5. John 8, 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on Him, If, it's a big word, If you continue in My Word, if you remain steadfast, settle down in My Word, My Word, he doesn't want us ever learning but not coming to the knowledge of the truth. He doesn't want us accumulating facts of knowledge that, that are unusable in our lives and, and ignoring truths that set people's, people free. Amen? Now, we don't want to be numbered among the many who are ever learning yet never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Always striving but never arriving. We believe there is a time that the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 5 that we come, that should come, that we should grow and develop and do a spiritual manhood. Well, for when the time has come, Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews said that you should be a teacher. You have a need that one teach you again, which be the first principle. He wasn't talking to people that didn't have any doctrine or understanding of the Bible. Of course, then, the word that they had then, the spoken word, and of course, their Old Testament teachings. No, these people had knowledge. But just like the Jews, a zeal for knowledge, but not, you know, for God, but not according to knowledge. He wants us to come in to, unto the knowledge of the truth. Not unusable facts of knowledge, but truths that set people free. And that's why Jesus said, if you continue in my word, and that's the only way. Not the philosophies of men, not what men say, but what he has said, what he has spoken. It's so easy to turn to and listen to the words and philosophies of men. Our faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And the only way that's going to happen is through the word, because the word of God is what's powerful. It's the Word of God that's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's active. It's operative. It's energizing. It's effective in all of our lives. And that's why he said, continue in my Word. Continue in my Word. My Word. What I said. Many times I'll witness and talk with people. And they'll say, but you don't know what, what so-and-so said. I said, yeah, but I know what Jesus said. Beloved, let's really focus in on what Jesus said. Let's focus in on what God said through His precious Holy Word. It doesn't matter what men say. It doesn't matter what man say. And I'll be honest with you, and I, I share this with you all the time. Don't listen to what I have to say unless I give you what God's Word says. Please, go to God's Word. Find out what it says for yourself. But continue in that Word and maintain the attitude of humility that I'm going to believe what God said in His Word. Even if I, at that particular point in my life, have not lived up to what that Word says, I still believe that it's attainable, it's achievable in my life. Jesus said, the works I do shall you do also, and greater works will you do because I'm going to my Father. But do you believe that's true? I said, do you believe it's so? Well, then, beloved, we should be doing the works of Jesus. And, and he also said all things are possible to him that believeth. And I believe that he meant what he said and said what he meant. And it's so. It's true. You say, well, I didn't believe God for this or I didn't believe God for that. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We don't condemn our children if they fall down when they're learning to walk, do we? When we're learning to walk by faith, our Father doesn't condemn us either. There's no condemnation unto us. So what do we do? We keep on going. I believe that all things are still possible to him that believeth. No matter how many times we have failed in our walk of faith, no matter how many times we've fallen, I still believe that all things are possible to him that believeth. And if I'll develop my faith life and my belief, I believe all things are possible, don't you? I mean, they've got to be because Jesus said it so. All things are possible. He said, if you speak to that mountain of yours, that adversity, and command it to go and don't doubt in your heart, but believe. Do you see that? See, I like his, pray, they pray to end. Get saved to end. Over here it says, believe. They pray and believe. Whatever you desire when you pray, believe. Speak to that mountain and don't doubt. See, he adds something always to it. Something that 
deals with us. See, the truth is there, beloved, to set us free. But we've got to humble ourselves to that truth and say, Father God, by your Spirit, change me. Our brother just said about change. I like change, and I like change also. I believe the Spirit of God, His ministry in the life of the believer is to change us so that that Word in us becomes alive, a living epistle, so that we can be read and known of all men. So, beloved, let's, let's believe in the integrity of God's Word. God said it, it's so. And let's ask Him to change us by His Spirit so that what He has said in His Word. Do you believe this Scripture? If ye abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask what ye will, and it might be done unto you. <laughs> it will. I mean, did he say that or did he mean that? Well, that's the truth that sets us free. You know, well, someone says, I've tried that. Well, that's, that's the problem. He didn't say if you try it. The if means this is the condition. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will and it will be done unto you. So we say, Father God, change me. I humble myself to you, to your spirit. I want to know the truth that sets me free. I want to come unto the knowledge of this truth so that I can be set free and so that I can help others with these truths to be set free. If you continue in my word, he said. Do you see that? That is the reason why he anointed people to stand in offices, the fivefold ministry, these offices, so that men, so that the body of Christ would come to a place of spiritual perfection and to the knowledge of the truth. And, beloved, I really believe that if, if, if those who are involved in these fivefold ministries are not growing and developing, how in the world is the body of Christ going to grow? How is the body of Christ going to develop? If we have so much confusion and so much division among those who are called to these positions of leadership, how in the world are we going to provide proper leadership for the body of Christ so they can come unto the knowledge of the faith, the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God? Well, haven't we arrived at that point yet? I do not believe we've arrived at a point of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man of the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Otherwise, beloved... I guarantee you things would be happening upon the face of this earth like the, like the book of Acts has never seen before. No, it's going to get greater and greater and more glorious as the, as, as the days go by. I believe that into the coming of our Lord. Even though it draweth nigh, we know that it's, you know, it, it's close. We talk about how close that it is and we thank Him for that and it's closer than it was 2,000 years ago. But we don't, we don't dwell on that fact. We're going to live it every single day like as though He's coming tomorrow. But we know that the, the light is getting lighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. The darkness is getting darker and we understand that. That means the glory of the Lord upon the face of this earth is getting brighter and brighter and more powerful each and every day, you know, that Jesus delays His coming. Now we're going to see a greater manifestation of the glory of God, I believe, than they even saw way back when. Way back when. Even then, the light will be so bright. Well, let's notice the Scripture here again. If you continue in my word, my word, my word, what I said... Again, I just can't get off this. I've quoted these scriptures many times to people. And I've said, look, Jesus said, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask what you will, it will be done unto you. And, and the response immediately is, yeah, but you don't know. But you don't realize. But you don't understand. See, beloved, if we want to help other people, we just can't give them what we think. We just can't give them human philosophies. You know, we're faced, Christianity is faced with something right now that is detrimental I mean to the life of the believer. People are being turned away from the power and glory of God and they're being sent out to those who are involved in human philosophies. Go to a psychologist. Go to all these... Beloved, there's no room for that. You read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 2, and 3 and Paul will clearly reveal unto you by the Spirit of God. It's revealed unto us through the Apostle Paul by what was spoken that our faith is not to stand in the wisdom of men. 
And although man is getting wiser in his, in his natural understanding of things, although he's, he's, he's gathering more information and knowledge and wisdom in, in many areas of life, beloved, our faith should never be swayed over that way to where we, are, we have more faith in the wisdom of men than we do in the power of the living God. I believe there is a call for the body of Christ to come back to the power and the glory of God our Father, knowing that His power is sufficient for every area of our life so that we can be set free and we can be delivered from all the power of the enemy. Amen. He's provided it for us through the redemptive work of Christ already. It's already ours. It belongs unto us. And I believe that if people need help, I believe we can show them the way to the power of God. You know, it's only the power of God that can change a man's life. It's only the power and the glory of God that could recreate a human spirit. It's only the power of God, you see, that can renew our minds. The revelation that comes by the Spirit of God so that we can understand the things of God. You know, what, do you realize what he told us in the book of Hebrews chapter 3? The reason why the Israelites didn't enter the promised land? They erred from the truth. They erred in their heart, not knowing my ways. My ways are not man's ways. When will we ever learn that truth? My ways are not man's ways. My thoughts are not man's thoughts. My ways are higher. My thoughts are higher. My word is powerful. It will be this way as it goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void. It is full of power. It is active. It's alive. It's operative. It's energizing. It is my word. It is the truth that keeps us free. Many times you'll, you'll, you'll teach along these lines and some you just don't understand. Ask the Spirit of God to enlighten you. Beloved, it's not the laying on of hands and the prayer of faith only and, and release of you know, prayer life and, and anointing with all and all those things that sets us free or keeps us free. Those are avenues and they're means and points of contact. But, beloved, to remain free, to stay permanently free, you've got to know the truth. That's what Jesus said. It'll keep you free. Look at the rest of that verse. If you continue in my word, then you're my disciples indeed. Verse 32. You shall know the truth. See, you won't know the truth unless you continue in His word. Not even what men say about His word, but His word. Oh, I want to encourage us to get into the Bible. I want to encourage us to get into the word of the living God. Get back to many of the words of Jesus and say, Jesus, you didn't lie. You meant these truths. You meant these words. You know, he said, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock it shall be opened unto you. He said, Your heavenly Father will give you good things. Your Father knows the needs that you have in everyday life. He'll provide for you. Seek my kingdom. Those things will be added unto you. Do you think he meant that? You know, I really believe that he did. I really believe that he did. And he meant what he said. Consequently, beloved, all we need to do is to do what Jesus said. Understand the integrity of God's Word. And just stand before the, the, the Father's presence and say, Father God, you said this. Jeremiah 1.12 says you're alert, you're active, watching over your Word to perform it. You cannot lie. Your Word is steadfast, true, it's eternal. You've exalted it highly above your name. Psalm 138 verse 2. So I know you're watching over your word. I know you will perform your word in my life. So I'm not deviating from the truth. I'm not going to the left or to the right. If you said that word, I'm going to stand fast until that word becomes alive and a reality in my life. Here's where we get problems in, in, in leadership. Here's where we get problems in doctrine and understanding. Many will take a scripture that either it's a promise or a statement of fact. And because it doesn't work in their life the first time that they try it. They walk away and say, well, it's not so for me. Or it doesn't work. 
such as, he said, if two of you are agree on this earth as touching anything you shall ask, it will be done. And, you know, minding the thing of the Spirit, looking to the Word, we say, yes, it will be done. But then, the moment something happens to contradict our prayer of faith or whatever we talked about or whatever we agreed upon, you see, there's a warfare, a battleground right here in the mind that takes place. And we say, well, it didn't happen, did it? Well, I guess it doesn't work, does it? Nice scripture. See, that's where religion comes from. Nice scripture. Nice to quote. But it didn't work. Hold on. Hold on. Is he mocking us? Is he teasing us? Does he make these statements of truth? Then, we, then he says, you know, after you try and it doesn't work, he says, I was only teasing, only fooling you. I was only kidding. He doesn't do that, does he? You see, beloved, if he said it, it's our responsibility and duty to get humble before God, to stay before the Father's presence. And say, Father God, this word is sure, it's, just, it's eternal, it's steadfast, and it's true. It's the truth that sets me free. I want you to change me until my heart lines up with that truth. You change me till my heart lines up with that truth. You said if I speak to the mountain, command it to go, it'll go. You said if I speak to that tree, it'll be uprooted and planted into the sea, if I doubt not in my heart. That's what you said. So, Father God, that is truth. I know my head doesn't understand it. But I do know this, my heart will grasp it if your spirit will teach me and show me how to apply it in my life. Oh, beloved, I, my prayer is that the body of Christ would see this. This is how we are taught of the Spirit of God. The natural man can't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're too deep for him. The natural man can't receive them nor can he understand them because they're spiritually discerned. And even though we've been born again, our minds have not been renewed. Our minds need to be renewed. Why? So that we can prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And you know what the first thing Paul said was after that? After he said, present your body to God, get your mind renewed to the Word of God. Do you know what he said to do? And don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Did you ever read Romans 12, 3? That's what it says. What was he saying? Humble yourself to the Word. Get your mind renewed to the Word of God. But when you start to find out that the Word says something different than what you think like or what you understand, you're going to find out that there's going to be a warfare. There's going to be a battle. The Word says one thing, and you know that it's truth, but your body tells you another. Your mind says another. You know, the Word says what describes you were healed, but your body says something different. And there's a warfare going on. Your body wants to dominate. Your, your, your reasoning faculties wants to dominate. And that's why the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 5.14... You've got to have your senses exercised to discern. They've got to be controlled. They've got to be trained and taught how to discern what is right and what is wrong, what is truth and what is error. And there's a battle that takes place. There's a warfare among our members. The spirit warring against the flesh. The flesh warring against the spirit. The spirit saying one thing to the word, but the mind and the, and the body, they're saying another. They team up against the Spirit. So you see, beloved, we're in a battle. We're in a warfare. Jesus gives us the truth that sets us free. But we have enemies of faith that want to come and destroy our faith and take away that which belongs unto us. And we're going to see something here about truth that belongs to us and liberty and freedom that belong to us and how we have an enemy that wants to come and steal that truth away from us. I mean, Jesus clearly taught in Mark chapter 4 that when you start getting on the Word, you sow the seed of God's Word into your heart, immediately cometh who? And why is He coming? To distract us. You try to study the subject of divine healing, the first thing you get is a pain in your body. I mean, you think about it. Why? Because we have an enemy. And what's he attempting to do? I call them word attacks. Word attacks. He's attacking the word. He wants to distract us from the word. And he uses these different methods. We're not... You know, ignorant to the, his device. We, we know what he does. 
persecution and affliction, the cares of this world, the lust of other things, the deceitfulness of riches, distracting us away from what the Word of God says. You know what getting your mind renewed to the Word of God is like? It's like this. I've been called Bill for some 34 years now. You know, I remember one time when I was in school, they called me, see, Bill and Billy and all my life. And when I got in school, teacher called me William and I didn't answer. Finally kept calling me William I didn't answer. Kept saying William, I didn't answer again. Finally got a hold of me and said, William? And I said, who are you talking to? I never heard the name William. I was only called Bill or Billy all my life. She says, your real name's William. I said, it is. And I went home and asked my mom and dad. I said, what's my real name? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> they said, William. I said, it is. I was just a little thing, you know. I said, I didn't know that. You know. I mean, my, my son's gone through that. We call him BJ. Nicknamed him BJ, you know. And, uh, you know, so that we could tell who we're talking to in the household. And, and he goes to school and, and the teacher says, William. He doesn't know what's going on. You know, his name's BJ, as far as he is concerned. Well, finally, you know, he got to realize that his true name is William, you know, after a period of time. Well, see, the same thing is true with us. In our natural man, we want to kick out the truth. The natural man does not want to adapt to, to change. The natural man doesn't want to change. It wants to line up with the, with the senses and what our reasoning faculties. That's what it wants to line up to. See, the truth will, will reveal to us certain things that contradict our feelings. That's why the Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight. I mean, your feelings have contradicted your salvation many times. You wake up in the morning. Not every morning are you just, you know, in a position to say, well, I know for a fact beyond the shadow of a doubt that I'm saved by feeling. I'm not talking about by the Word. You know that by the Word you're saved and, and you couldn't have someone tear that apart away from you with a team of wild horses or lions or whatever. You know that. But, you know, feeling, if you go by feeling, sometimes you wonder, is God even around? See, your body will say that, your mind will say that. You know, the heavens will be as brass. And, but do you go by that? No, you say, I don't care if I don't feel like worshiping God. You may come to a service, you may have come to this service tonight, and your feelings just did not want to worship the Lord your God. You have a decision to make. You can go by your feelings. You know, you can be oppressed if you will to, if you want to. You can maintain that attitude. You can get angry and stay that way if you want to, but the Bible says don't. don't and if you do get angry, don't sin. Sin not. And then put away anger from you. See, we are in a battle, and it's, it involves us. Now, we have an enemy, but the, the, the biggest problem, I believe, is our outer man and our sense knowledge, our reasoning faculties, because we want to, want to walk by our senses, but the Word tells us something different, that we have, cannot walk by our senses. Even though you don't feel like rejoicing and praising God, the Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. Serve Him with joyfulness and gladness of heart and the abundance of all things. And so what do we do? We begin to look to the truth. And the truth says, rejoice in the Lord. You go by your feeling and your feeling says what? I don't want to do it. Note this. Feeling is the voice of the body. Reason is the voice of the mind. And conscience is the voice of the spirit. That's our spirit. Feeling. What I feel like. It will speak to me with its voice. You don't feel like worshiping God. You don't feel like lifting your hands. You don't feel like going to church tonight. You don't feel like doing this. Or you don't feel like getting involved in that project. Or whatever. It'll speak to us. Now, we can obey it if we want to. But you see, something on the inside will say that you ought to go to church. 
You need to be there. You go, you'll be blessed. Now, you know you should do it. Or let's take it into another realm. Your spirit man will tell you, give so-and-so $50. Right away, your reasoning faculties will rebel. What do they need $50 for? You see the car they drive? I did that once when I was at Tulsa, Oklahoma, when I was at school at Rainbow Bible Training Center. You know, uh, there was a, a couple who lived in the apartment above uh, us, and, and the Lord clearly spoke to my heart. And I knew that the witness of my spirit was there to give this particular family a certain amount of money. It was $100. And, um, you know, things were certainly tight down there in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we're living the faith every day. Yet, I knew that it was what God had said, and, and, and right away, things came to my mind. When I look, they're from this particular country, and they're involved in this kind of work. They're involved in, in a work where they have great wealth. As a matter of fact, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that, that they have finances, they have money, they have an abundance, and they have no lack. And I knew that beyond the shadow of a doubt. And so I reasoned myself out of being obedient to what God said to do for a short time. See, I knew what the, what the Lord wanted, but on the, my mind was there was a warfare going on because I was looking at things or viewing things from the realm of sense knowledge. You know, when you see that, beloved, if God ever tells you to give to somebody and you think that they have enough or you think, don't question the Father. And I'm going to tell you why. Even though these people we knew to be well off, even though they were well off, even at that point they were well off, do you know what happened to them? See, they were receiving their funds from out of the country. And they were only allowed to receive so much money a month. And it just so happened that this particular month, their money did not make it through. Now, yes, they had finances, but the finances could not get to them. And I didn't know that. So at that particular time, they were in desperate need of money. Now, I didn't know this, but this fellow never stepped out in faith before, but in this area, because he didn't have to. He had his needs met that way, you know, and, and thank God that, that, you know, that he had that. But at this particular point, he didn't know what to do, so he got on his knees. He was hearing teaching about believing God and believing you receive what you ask him for by faith. And he got on his knees in, in, in his back bedroom, and he, and he prayed to the Father. And he says, Father, I need $100 bad now. I need $100, you know, and, and I'm asking you for it in the name of Jesus. Now, I didn't know he prayed that way. But finally, I got a hold of, uh, you know, what I was supposed to do and was obedient to God. And I went up to his, his apartment and I said, look, this is what the Lord wants you to have, this, this, this hundred dollars. And you know, I almost felt embarrassed to go and give that to that person because I know that they're well off. Do, do you see what I'm saying? My reasoning faculties want to talk me away from the whole thing and, and, and out of it. But I found out, you know, you've got to obey the truth from your heart, even though your senses may contradict what God is saying to us through the Word. So that's how we walk by faith and not by sight. And you've got to learn to do that in more than one area of your life. In every area of your life, when it comes to divine healing and health, finances, prosperity in your own life, and in ministry, you've got to step out of ministry the same way, beloved. Same thing in ministry. How many times do you go to, want to go to witness somebody and your senses, your reasoning faculties will talk you out of doing it? See, there's a battle that goes on. There's a warfare that takes place. Well, anyhow, to conclude, he said, he just wept. He says, I've never had to do this before. He says, but I want you to know that I asked my father for exactly $100. That's what I asked for. And he just wept before the Lord. And here it was, his $100 that the father wanted him to have. 
Then he proceeded to explain to me that his money got tied up and, and uh, they have the money, he says, but he couldn't get over here to the country. And he said, we've been without, no food in our refrigerator, we've been without, we have not had access to money. And so we just couldn't do it. And they were blessed. And of course, you know, you're, you're more blessed because when you're in that you know, position to give, you're, you're more blessed than even the one that, that receives. But do you see what we're talking about? The truth, many times, will contradict what our senses tell us. So there's nothing wrong with, with walking according to, to sense, knowledge, truth if, they, if that does not contradict the Word of God. Now, whether it's the written Word of God or the revelation of the Spirit. Now, it wasn't written, go give so-and-so $100 in the Bible. You know, but the Spirit of God said to my heart, go give. And, of course, you take that as truth also. Well, you're going to know the truth, he said in verse 32, and the, and the truth will make you free. Now, I want you to see something in verse 36. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. You shall be free indeed. You notice that Jesus made this statement before Calvary? You put them all together and you find out that He's saying, if you stay and continue in My Word, you're going to know the truth. The truth is going to make you free. And if the Son of Man shall make you free, you'll be free indeed. You know, not too many days, well, actually two days from now, the fourth, we're going to be celebrating our independence, right? Celebration, of commemoration of the adoption of the Declaration of Independence. The announcement of our freedom. How many of you are enjoying your freedom as a, an American? And I mean, you really greatly appreciate the freedom that you have. And you're thankful that you can come here tonight and worship without any hindrance or interference from the government or from other people. You're thankful that you can go into a store and buy what you want to buy. You can go to a place of employment and work and, 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 and you know, pursue the life that you want to pursue here in this land of freedom. As American citizens, we value and, and highly esteem our freedom so much that we are willing to lay down our lives to defend and to preserve it. Are we not? Aren't we? And I mean, if someone tries to come to invade our country or to, to, re, you know, to take us away from the liberty that we have, we'll give our lives, we'll lay down our lives to protect what we have, to defend what we have and to preserve what we have so that we'll not be given to another people or controlled by another people. Independent. To be independent means to be free from the control of others. Free from the control of others. We're not subject to control of others. We're not going to come over here from Russia and dominate us and take authority over us and put us you know, under their tyranny. That's not going to happen. Why? Because we're going to protect what we have. We're going to preserve what we have. We're going to defend what we have. Many have given their lives to, to, to provide what we have. And we're thankful for that. And we rejoice in it. Beloved, something that saddens my heart and I believe that we need to understand this and know this. Jesus made this statement, this declaration of independence. Freedom will only come when the Son of Man sets you free. And if the Son of Man sets you free, you will be free indeed. And knowing the truth is what gonna, what's going to make you free. That's what he's saying here. That's before Calvary. In Romans, turn now, I'll give you these scriptures. Look at Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2, 
There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. Your flesh will want to keep you in bondage. Your senses, your reasoning faculties will want to keep you in this realm where you cannot believe the truth. Your senses say one thing, but the Word says another. If you walk in the Spirit, he said, there's no condemnation. Notice, why? For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus Notice this beautiful word, hath. It's past tense. Everybody say hath. Hath made us free. Do you see that? Hath made us free. Not will make you free. Hath made us free. When that declaration of independence was signed, freedom belonged to us. We have been enjoying that freedom for these last 210 years because that declaration of independence was, was signed and adopted into our government. And we're rejoicing over that. And you let, you let somebody try to come and, and take away from us that which belongs to us. You let them come and try to take away your freedom of speech. I, you'll find out you know, what's, what's going to happen. Let them try to take away from you your freedom of religious choice. And they're going to have a battle on their hands. People are going to fight. They're going to stand up for what belongs to them. Why does it belong to them? Because they're free. The declaration or the announcements, the announcement of freedom, independence, has already been signed. They have certain rights privileges, and freedoms as American citizens. And this is how we view ourselves. I'm an American citizen. I have certain rights, privileges, and freedoms. And anyone who comes to take away my rights, privileges, or freedoms becomes an enemy. And if they're going to try to take that away from you, they're going to have a fight on their hands and, and you don't want that to happen. Someone tries to come and take your house away from you. Someone tries to come and take your car. You're going to defend what belongs to you. You're going to protect and preserve what is yours. Now, I want you to hold that thought. Jesus said, if the Son of Man sets you free, you're free indeed. It's revealed to us right here that the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, not will, but hath, it's past tense. The gospel is our spiritual declaration of independence. It is the good news of our freedom. And this is something that we fail to, to get across. It's something we fail to comprehend. Something we fail to get deep inside of our hearts. We think the devil's the one who's on the warpath. We think he's the one who's got the right to keep us under the control of his tyranny. And many think we're fighting a battle from, from that standpoint, from that viewpoint, that he is the aggressive one, and we're the ones just sitting back and, and just, you know, having to protect ourselves and all this. Beloved, listen, we have been set free. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. Jesus made that statement before the cross, before Calvary. Before He died for our sins, before He was buried, 
before He was raised from the dead for our justification, before He obtained for us an eternal inheritance, before He came back and commissioned us to go and proclaim this good news of freedom, announce it and declare it unto all people and all nations and all lands, before He was ascended and seated at the right hand of the Majesty on high, where He ever lives to make intercession for us, before He became the curse of the law for us, before He became sin for us who knew no sin so that we could be declared to be the righteousness of God in Christ. He said that before. But beloved, on this side of the cross, on this side of Calvary, we have a declaration of independence, an emancipation proclamation, if you will. We have been set free. We are not trying to get free. We're not, trying to, we're not struggling to get free. We have been made free. We have been set free. And now we're endeavoring to get a hold of the truth that makes us. In reality, free. That's the faith that we have to contend for. Paul's message was a message of past tense. He has set you free. There's no more condemnation. You're in Christ. You've been set free from the law of sin and death. But he goes on in that 8th chapter to explain that there is a battle, there is a warfare going on taking place inside your members. He that is spiritual minds the things of the Spirit, but he that is carnal minds the things of the flesh, the carnal man. That's enmity against God. Your thinking is wrong, he's saying. Your reasoning is wrong. There's something wrong with your understanding of spiritual truths. The Son of Man hath set you free from this law of sin and death. Sin has no more dominion. Dominion. We're not subject to sin any longer. It has no dominion over you, the Apostle Paul wrote in chapter 6. Let it, don't let it lord it over you. Don't let it reign over you. Another scripture pertaining to that is found in Colossians chapter 1. Look at verse 13. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. I'm going to read to you some different translations, but I, it'll get the point across. This new spiritual law that was set in motion when Jesus was raised up from the dead was our emancipation proclamation or our declaration of independence that we have been made free from certain things. And because this declaration has been made, beloved, we have certain spiritual rights and privileges. And although we have an enemy out there, look, we've got the Russians out there. Look, you've got all these other countries that are out there. But I'll tell you what, we're sitting pretty comfortable over here, aren't we? As long as we keep up our defense. And that's, I, want, I want us all to see ourselves that way spiritually. Yes, we have defense. We have our defense. We have our strategy. But, beloved, we are not the ones who's, who are under this tyranny. We're not like the Israelites who are in bondage to Egypt where, the, where we're under, under the, that hard oppression. We're not that way. We are a free people. We're like they were when they got across the Red Sea and Miriam began to dance and shout before the Lord that he's drowned the horse and rider into the sea and we've been delivered and we've been set free. That's what he's saying to us. Because we've been redeemed from all this. We've been delivered from... And in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 1, verse 13... Who hath delivered us. Everybody say hath. See, there it is again. He hath delivered us. Out of what? The power of darkness. But let me read you some translations. He has delivered us from the authority of darkness. He's delivered us from the tyranny of darkness. He's delivered us from the dominion of darkness. Or out of the control of darkness. This is the truth that sets us free. You know, there are people that are involved, and, and please don't get upset when I say this, and, and if there's anybody here, I don't, I don't mean to upset you, but I do mean to get across the truth to you. 
People that are heavily involved in deliverance ministries, getting delivered week after week after week, throwing up in bags and going through this, taking pails and all this stuff. Beloved, let me say something to you. Prayer does not keep you free. You're going to get to a place that you start fooling around with stuff like that. People are going to be under bondage to the devil because of fooling around like that. The truth about deliverance is this. We have been set free. He hath delivered us out of, from the control or the tyranny or the authority or the dominion or the power of darkness, just like the Israelites were delivered out from the tyranny of the Egyptians. And once they got out and crossed that Red Sea, they were free, beloved. I mean to tell you, the body of Christ is as free from the powers of Satan as the Israelites were as free from the powers of the Egyptians. When they got across the Red Sea and everybody was drowned. Their defense departed from them. Their power was gone. They were across, they were in the wilderness to serve a living God. And God had a place for them to enter into. And they kept looking back, kept looking back, kept looking back. Complaining and looking back and murmuring. Did not realize the truth. Look, you've been delivered. Even when they finally got into into the promised land. Do you realize when they got in there to spy out the land? That Rahab had to tell them, where have you guys been? We heard about what your God did for you. We saw the mighty works He wrought for you in, in, in Egypt. We heard about the mighty works. We heard all that He did. And we were scared and afraid. Man, they conceded the land way back before they ever got there. But what kept them out of the promised land was they erred from their heart, not knowing the ways of God. They didn't understand the truth. And the Bible clearly teaches that it was lack of faith unbelief, unpersuadableness, their inability to act upon the Word of God that kept them out. That's exactly what it was. And beloved, the only thing that keeps us out of the promises of God, out of the fullness of the blessings of the promises of the gospel of Christ, the only thing that keeps us out is this, our lack of understanding, our not knowing that we've been set free. If we had the same tenacious faith in the things of God that people have in their attitude towards the freedoms that they have in their country, we'd stand up and rise up against the powers of darkness and say, Look, I've been set free. You can't take my health away from me. You can't take my children away from me. You can't take my finances away from me. You don't have a right to do that. This is a free land. Walk around the, the perimeter of your house. Go around your yard and say, Look, devil, this is off, off limits to you. You're not allowed on this property. And I know some think that's far-fetched preaching, but beloved, look, we've been set free. Knowing the truth keeps us free, and we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the Word that's in our testimony. And that's the only thing that keeps us out. What kept them out of the promises of God? They erred in their heart, not knowing the ways of God. They couldn't act on the Word of God because of their unbelief. They did not believe that what God did for them, although these non-believers did. And see... Matter of fact, here it is right here. Let's look at this other scripture because it tells us exactly all we, that we need to do. Look at Galatians. And I, this is another beautiful scripture. Chapter 5 and verse 1 was that other scripture. Talking about freedom. This is all that's necessary for us to do to remain free. All that we have to do to remain a free land is to, is to just keep our defense built up. And I'll be honest with you, the only thing that can destroy the United States of America is the people within it. If we allow it to be destroyed from within, we'll be destroyed. We'll only be as weak as our attitude is in this country. What we permit, our permissiveness. If we allow things to happen in this country 
that jeopardize our freedom, our rights, our privileges, it'll happen if we don't allow it. Why do you think lack of patriotism? Where do you think it came from? Lack of spiritual uh, purity in, uh, of life. Lack of respect for parents. All that came out of the 60s and into the 70s. Why? Because the devil knew he had to undermine. He had to work within. There's no, you can't, I can't destroy you from without. These other countries can't match your strength. But if I come in, if I get a looseness of morality inside the United States of America, if I could get them to be, to be disrespectful towards their government, lack of patriotism, if I can get them to be disrespectful towards spiritual things and, and cause a, a, a demise there in the, in the realm of the, of the Spirit, he says, then I can destroy that country from within and hinder them from, from having their freedoms to preach this gospel throughout all the land. But well, what do you think happens in the believer's life? Same thing. It's from within. If I could get to you, the devil says, if I can get to your life, to your thinking, to your understanding, and pervert it so that you don't know the truth or make you think the truth doesn't work, then he says, I can destroy your family. I can destroy your church. I can destroy your family. I can destroy your life. But beloved, if we don't permit it, you know, he can't do it. If we don't permit it. Why? Because greater is he that's in you. That's why. He doesn't say more powerful is he that's in the world. More powerful is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Do you see that? And so we build up our defense because we know the truth and we keep him away. By knowing that truth, that makes us free. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty. In the liberty. I'm going to read to you from 26 translations of this. Listen. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Okay, now listen to some translations. For freedom did Christ set us free. Stand fast, therefore, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. With freedom did Christ make us free. Stand fast, therefore, and be not held again with the yoke of bondage. Christ has made us completely free. Stand fast, then, and do not again be hampered with the yoke of slavery. This is the freedom with which Christ has freed us. So what's he saying? Past, before Calvary, Jesus said, you know the truth and the truth will make you free. Stay in my word. Then he said, if the Son of Man sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Now on this side of the cross, Paul reveals to us by the Spirit of God... A new law has been set in motion. There's a new order in the realm of the Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life has actually made us free from the law of sin and death that came in Adam. And it ran rampant till the law of Moses. But then it continued its course until Jesus came and abolished death and brought immortality and life through the gospel. He has set us free. This law has set us free from that other law of sin and death. And now, it doesn't have the power over us. We are in a position of authority and have authority. Well, let's, let's quote Jesus. Behold, I give you power and authority over all the power of the enemy. So what's he mean? Is he mocking us again? No. We have the power over all the power of the enemy. And then we've been commissioned to do something with it. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, real quick. This is something that we've got also that we've got, got to grab a hold of. Good news. What good news? Declaration of our freedom, our independence. The announcement that we've been set free. What good news? That the prisoners are free. I want you to see a translation also. Luke's Gospel, chapter 4 and verse 18. These translations are here. 
Jesus said that the Spirit of God is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, another translation says, Beck's translation says, to announce to prisoners you are free. You know, we've missed it in the area of witnessing. Do you know what? We're going to see this here in a minute also. Do you realize that the only message we have to take to the, to the non-believer is that you're free? You are free. Christ has already made provisions for your freedom. All you've got to do is receive it. God was in Jesus Christ reconciling the world to Himself. Look at what He said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to announce, to announce, to proclaim to prisoners you are free. That is the epitome of faith. Right there. It reminds me of what Jesus said to the woman with the issue, not the issue of blood, the, the, the spirit of infirmity. Do you realize how he responded to her in faith? She's bowed over. She can't lift herself up and know why. She's been that way for 18, all these years, 18 years. Jesus walks over and said, Woman, thou art loosed. And she's still bowed over from thine infirmity. Well, I mean, what a message. What a declaration. What an announcement he made to her. Woman, thou art free. Thou art loosed. Thou art set free of thine infirmity. Then he laid his hands upon her and she stood straight up. But I want you to notice those words he spoke were powerful, faith-filled words. Because he knew that as a covenant woman, she really was free. Provision was made in the covenant. She just didn't know it. So what did he do? He inspired her faith. How? By giving her the truth that set her free. Woman, thou art loosed. See, he gave her the truth. And what set her free? The truth set her free. She was able to walk. Normal. She was whole. Now notice, to announce to prisoners, you are free. Beck's translation. Another translation where it goes, let's see. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Now notice this. To preach deliverance to the captives. To free those whom tyranny has crushed. He has sent me, he has anointed me to free those whom tyranny has crushed. See, the people were under the tyranny of Satan. The dominion of darkness. And they had no way of escape. They have no freedom. People came from other government systems. They came from other lands to this land to find freedom. They wanted to be free. They didn't want to be under the tyranny of any other government system. They wanted to be free to worship God, free to serve God, free to live a life without being ruled over by some other government system that, that didn't allow them to do what they wanted to do in life. Jesus is saying the same thing. I've come to bring a new order of things. I have come to announce you are free. I've come to free you from the tyranny of darkness. These prisoners are free, he's saying. Another one. The recovering aside to the divine to set at liberty them that are bruised. To preach, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord... Or to proclaim a year when men may find acceptance with God. And you know that refers to, the Jews knew it, the year of Jubilee. The year of Jubilee, back there under the Old Covenant, 
was when everyone who was in debt in any way was absolutely set free. The declaration was made, it was announced, it was pronounced. This is the year of Jubilee. Everybody is set free. Everybody is delivered. And that's why Jesus said the Spirit of the Lord was upon them. To announce to people you're free. Look at now, now in connection with that, look at, look at 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. Real quick, we're, we're coming to a close here. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19. And once again, I want to read some of these translations. Now, He's given us the same ministry of reconciliation. He's, he's uh, already commissioned us to, to preach the gospel to the poor the same way. He said, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Believeth what? He that believeth what? Well, let's find out what he's supposed to believe. And see if we've been accurate in, in our declaration of their independence. In verse 19, To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed to us the word of reconciliation. And He's made us ambassadors, of course. But in, let me give you another translation of that. To proclaim that God in Christ was reconciling the world to Himself, no longer holding men's misdeeds against them, and not charging men's transgressions to their account. He says, I've given you the ministry of proclaiming to men, to letting them know that God has made reconciliation through Jesus Christ for them, and He is not charging their transgressions to their account. If my wife ever went to the store and they never charged what she charged to my account, wouldn't you be blessed? Wouldn't you? Same with your wives? I mean, she's just charging up a storm, you know, and, and, and nothing on the bill. Comes in every month. Zero, you don't know anything. Zero, you don't know. Do you realize God has been doing that for the sinner since Jesus offered His blood as an eternal sacrifice? And they're under the tyranny of darkness. They're walking around under oppression and being depressed and oppressed and, and practically destroyed in life out there under the slavery of bondage of, of the wicked one. Do you realize that? And God is not charging anything to their account. And we have been given the ministry of proclaiming to them, Look, you have been set free. See, sometimes it's hard to get to that place of faith and find out what faith really says. It's past tense. You are free. You have been made free. And when they hear the truth, what does the truth do to them? And all they have to do is say what? I accept it. I want to become a citizen of heaven. I mean, God's not holding anything against me. No, it's been wiped out in Christ. And if you'll just come and accept Him, it'll be a reality. You'll be made free. See, truth is both legal and vital. We have to understand that. Legal means it's already done. It's legal. Legal document. Let me give you an example. We have our Constitution. We have our Bill of Rights. We have our Declaration of Independence. We have our laws throughout the land. Our laws say they can't steal from your house. They can't rob. They can't kill. Our laws say that. That is a legal document. A legal fact. Right? Okay, that's legal. So those people are set free. So the Christian is healed in Jesus. The Christian has a right, many rights and privileges. But you, do you know what? It does not become a reality a vital reality 
in that person's life until they know the truth. Until they know the truth. See, the enemy will still come. That, that crook out there will come to rob your house, even though the law says they can't do it. See, all these things are true in the spiritual realm also. The devil doesn't have right to lord it over your life with sin or sickness or disease or worry or fear or anxiety. The Bible says fear no man. God hasn't given you the spirit of fear. Let's use that. Sometimes we get carried away in these other areas. But what about fear? Does fear have the right to dominate your life? Does worry have the right to dominate your life? Well, how are we going to get this here dear loved one set free from worry and fear? Well, we're going to pray at the altar. She's going to be set free. Thank God she is for 10 minutes or 20 minutes or for an hour. Then she comes back to the next Wednesday night service or Sunday night service or whatever it is. And she says, well, I'm still bound by fear again. I was free for about an hour or two hours. Went home and it came back upon me. Okay, sister, come on up here. We're going to pray again. You know, that's why in so, so many of our movements, especially Pentecostalism, people are just coming back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Jesus did not say prayer will keep you free. He didn't say prayer is going to make you free. Beloved, he says you've got to instill the truth of that person. You've got to teach them. And you show them, look, brother, sister, fear has no dominion over you. And the only way you're going to maintain your freedom from fear is by knowing the truth. Don't allow it. Don't allow the thief to come in and rob your house. Don't allow him to come in and, and, and do the things that he wants to do. You don't allow that. It's legal. It's vital. And then when that person is taught that truth, they don't need deliverance any longer. Do you see that? Because the moment fear tries to come in the door, faith answers the door and says, out, you have no place here. Not in my life any longer. Well, beloved, we have certain rights and privileges in the spiritual realm, just like we do in, in being a citizen of the United States of America. The sinner has a right to be saved. A child of God has a right to the Father's protection, love, and care. We have a right to the Holy Ghost and His indwelling presence. We have a right to the name of Jesus to use against all the powers of evil and of darkness, against anything that would come our way, against us to destroy us. We've not recognized this. You know, we've got a great and mighty weapon in battle. How can we preach one, one truth and deny it in the next breath? How can we say we have a name that's above every other name, a name that everything must bow its knee to that is not godly, and then the next breath say, well, God can't deliver us, or maybe He wants me this, or maybe He does it. Beloved, God is not confused. If, you have, if we have a nuclear bomb, if we have nuclear weapons and and we talk about Star Wars and all that we have to protect our country, and they are available unto us to use, then we can use them to defend our rights and privileges and the freedoms that we have in this land. And whatever Russia throws our way, whatever any other country throws our way, we know that we can protect ourselves by using these weapons that we have. God has given us, in the name of Jesus, the greatest, most powerful weapon that the world will ever see of, hear of, know of. And it's the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.